Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are in this series called Uncomfortable. If you're a guest here today, welcome and just tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. Uncomfortable is, is the series that we've been going through, but it, it's this. Uncomfortable Christianity is what we're wrestling with. You see, uh, uncomfortable Christianity leads to life transformation, where we rely on God, where we serve rather than be served, where our lives are marked by sacrifice. We do the hard things, we embrace the hard truths, and we do life with, look to your left, look to your right. We do life with hard people. (laughs) No hard people in here. Uncomfortable Christianity is the antithesis of what the church is in many ways. Unfortunately, the church today, there's this comfortable Christianity. There's this Christianity where I show up, what am I going to say, how many times a week? Twice a week. (laughs) Month. A month, not twice a week. God forbid you come twice a week. Uh, Twice a month. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. And then, you know, you're doing God a favor. This uncomfortable Christianity is where where Jesus, Lord of your life and every aspect of your life is kind of like this. And then when you get to that place, God brings his peace. He brings his peace. This morning I want to talk about in your eyes, in the eyes of Jesus. And it's a story that I, I, I preach on pretty regularly. I, I, it's just there's so much here. Um, and I, I want to unpack some things today. Because the reality is this. Life is better in the light. Would you not agree? Life is better in the light. Like I, I, I get up early. So I'm usually up around 5 or 5.30ish. And it's completely dark. Have you ever seen 5.30, Ramona? No. <laughs> it's completely dark, and being the considerate husband that I am, I don't flip on the lights, you know, but uh, oftentimes in the midst of this dark minute, I'm hitting the posts and running into things, and and my lovely wife leaves things on the ground that I trip over, and, and, and you know, it's just in the dark, you're, you're hitting things, but life is much better in the life. Jesus says it this way in John. He says, again, Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever knows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of life. Let me pray as we get into this. Father, I thank you for this time, for these men and women. God, I thank you that you are the light. Lord, whatever darkness we're experiencing, the answer is you, Jesus. Whatever darkness we're walking in, the answer is you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would enlighten us today, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and Holy Spirit, you'd move me aside and that you'd just speak. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I want to contrast two lights, because unfortunately what happens in the church is we have this religious light and we have Jesus' light. And, and this is what it looks like. I've got, here, Chris, will you stand up since you're so joyful? Religious light looks like this. It is just, it's a light that, just close your eyes, don't open your eyes, it, will, it just does this. Religious light just goes boom. It just, Jesus light 
is a light that comes off him that allows you to see where you're going, that directs your steps. Jesus' light directs where you're going. Religious light, just it's in your, it's in your face. It's, it's, it's blinding. And I, I want to show you because I, I believe in many ways the church, me, you, and others have, have, have experienced both of these things. But I want us to walk in this Jesus' light because there's life in his light. Here's a story that I want to read in John 8, and it says this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman, so what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his fingers on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote in the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. We've heard this scripture, and we've read this so many times, this story. Now, I love the way Jesus works, because I love that he just calls her woman. Woman? I try that at home. It doesn't work as well. Woman, <laughs> but it's so good the way Jesus works. There. Woman, get over here. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. All right. I was trying to be more like Jesus, you know, but th this story, this story here, there, there's so much in here that if you just read it, you go, oh, that's interesting, you know, chicked out and, and all this and Jesus. And, but it, it, there's, there's a depth to it that I, I want to show you. And I want to con contrast the religious light to the Jesus light in this story. And when we look at religious light, it looks like this. Religious light seeks out your sin. Religion always seeks out, a religious experience seeks out your sin. Religious light tells everyone about your sin. Religious light wants to deal with your sin by killing you. Let's break those few down right now. The first one is this, religious light seeks out your sin. In verse 3, we see this story getting started, and Jesus has all these people around him. And it says this, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Now think about this. It says later on in the story that they're trying to prove Jesus wrong. They're trying to catch Jesus in a trap. So they didn't just happen to stumble upon this woman. The Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, were looking for someone in sin. Literally, they, 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 they go into this place where she happens to be having relationships and they grab her out of their bedroom where she's with this man. Where's the man, by the way? Why is there no man in this story? Why did the Pharisees grab him? And, and they, they go in and grab this lady, half naked, just disheveled, and they drag her and bring her down to Jesus, this adulterous woman. See, religious light does this. It goes, where are you, sinner? And it just shines on you. And it looks for you. Religious light lights you up. 
Religious light throws you in the middle. See, because here's the deal, religious light, when you see religious people or religious church, for religious people, it always makes religious people feel better about their own sin. Your sin always looks worse. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met those people? Have you ever met the, that, that religious spirit that just talks about your sin? Religious light always seeks out the sin of yours. Religious light number two tells everyone about your sin. Think about it. This, this is an incredible story to me. This woman, you know, what, what's going on here? So let's, say, let's back up a little bit. The night before, she's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready. She's in her, her place, and, and she's getting ready, thinking maybe they're going to the Olive Garden or something. You know, she's got her best <laughs> clothes on, and she's got this nice date, and, and he comes and picks her up on his donkey, and they, they ride off over to, to have dinner, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a good night, and they, they have a little bit of wine, and he says, well, why don't you come? She says, why don't you come back to my place? And, and they go back to his place, not thinking anything is going to happen, and then after a little bit too much wine, you know, things start happening, and clothes start falling off, and the next thing you know, there's a relationship happening. <laughs> you got to get into these stories of what, what's going on. And, and they're asleep after having committed adultery. And all of a sudden, Pharisees, religious people, bust into the place and grab the woman, leave the man behind, pull her out of the bed, half naked, and then drop her in the midst. What, what must, have you ever experienced that? hopefully not naked in the midst, but have you ever experienced that, that when your sin is just all out there and, and that, that religious light is just shining on your stuff? And, and here's this, this woman, like how, how is she poised and is she like this? Is she, I, I don't know. I, I think what in front of all these people, because this is what it says in verse two, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning and came again to the temple. And then it says, how many people? All the people. Now, if we look back in scriptures, there are sometimes crowds of 5,000 people or more. So now all of a sudden, it says, all the people came with Jesus. So in the midst of all these people is this terrified woman, half naked, her sin out before everybody. And the religious people are the ones who brought her out there to tell everyone about her sin. See, because the reality is this. The religious people, they didn't really even care about that woman. They cared about their own sin and were trying to justify their own issues. I have, I have several pastors that I work with hundreds of pastors over the last 10 years, and, and I can't tell you story after story after story of, of this. And, and here's what I find. If you ever sit in a church and you find a pastor hammering on something, a sin, I think I've told you this before. If you ever hear a pastor just hammering on a sin, gosh, I would bet the ranch that he's dealing with that sin. Time and time again, I've worked with pastors who get up there and they'll go adultery and sex and pornography and they're, they're hammering away at it only to find out that they're the ones having the affair. And, and here's the funny thing. When, when they find out about your sin, it's like, oh, the end of the world. That's religion. See, and religion is this ugly, bound up, just 
this thing, and, and here's this, this woman, this, this daughter of, of God, this creation, and she's, she's vulnerable in front of all of these people. Because religious light tells everybody about your sin. Number three, religious light wants to kill your sin by killing you. It's, it says this in verse 5, Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman, so what do you say? He's trying to trip up Jesus. The law says this. The law says that, that you've got to take a rock and you stone the woman for adultery. Now, I was thinking about the rocks. I went by and I saw some little, little rocks. I doubt that it was death by 10,000 little rocks. That would be even worse, you know, all those little pea rocks and 10,000 people throwing them at you. But there, there are rocks, substantial rocks, that, that all these men now who had dragged this girl down in front of Jesus, they're all holding these rocks. Now, let me clarify. All these men, the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders were men. So all these men are sitting here ready to judge this woman that they pulled out of the bed, and they all got these rocks. And it's really not about that woman, it's about Jesus, and they want to trip him up. But they're willing to sacrifice, religion is willing to sacrifice anybody in its sphere to get what it wants. And they've got their rocks. The law of Moses says that we should stone her. See, obviously there's no law of Moses today that's used where we're allowed to stone anybody in America they do in other countries, but in America. But, but let me tell you, I've seen pastor after pastor that has literally killed the spirit of people because they've stoned them in the spirit. They've cut them off. I've seen pastors fall because of, of immorality and different things. I've watched whole groups of people walk away from the church because that pastor was so hardcore on them in sin and had no grace in who they were. And when, when the, the person finds out that they're the ones who are actually in the religious ones or the ones who are actually have fallen, they just walk away and they're wounded and they're cut off from God time and time again see that religious spirit wants to shine the light on you and, and, and isolate you from Jesus it's a very uncomfortable place now let's shift here it's kind of intense everybody alright you good um, Jesus light Jesus' light always levels the playing field, always brings peace, never condemns, always deals with sin through grace. I, I just I love the contrast of who Jesus is. And it says this, first and foremost, Jesus' light always levels the playing field. It always levels. It will never let, 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 let anything but level playing field. What is that? That is, is, is Romans 3. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it says this in verse 7, Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at you. Let him who is, has no sin, because the Mosaic law said this, you had to be completely sinless in order to throw that stone. So he's looking at all these Pharisees, and he knows they're all hypocrites. He knows they're all just jacked up. He says, okay, throw the stone. And he's writing on the ground. And he writes on the ground, but he gets up and he says this. But then, then he gets back down on his knees. And, and, and we talk about this all the time. If you've heard this illustration, you've probably heard this a million times. The question is, what is Jesus writing on the ground? Because it says this in 8 and 9. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. And they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And, and, and the thought is this, that Jesus is on his knees. 
and he's writing in the ground. This is how my mind works, that, that here's Jesus, and they're, all, they're standing there, and he says, him without uh, sin, cast the first stone. And they're all still standing there thinking, hey, Jesus doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know my sin. The reality is, you and I say the same thing. Jesus doesn't know my little sin. He knows all of our little sins. And they're standing there pretty confident with rocks in their hand until he bends down the second time. And the second time, this is what he does, in my mind. He writes, Rabbi Jimmy. And he's writing it with his finger. And he, sa- he says, Rabbi Jimmy, spring break at the Nile River, <laughs> year 24. All of a sudden, Rabbi Jimmy's like, oh my, God, how do you know this? He's over here, Rabbi Billy. <laughs> when you're at the bar mitzvah, little too much wine. And he's, he's writing these things. And all of a sudden, they start to leave. Now, you, you got to catch this. You got to catch this. Grace, God's grace. I, I, this, God's grace was meant to be experienced. Too many times, grace is this thing that we read unmerited favor, God's grace, God's grace. Oh, God's grace. I love God's grace. But God wants us to hear, to see, to taste his grace and his mercy. And this is the first point that this woman, remember, she's standing up completely naked. She's standing there, all these men around him, they have rocks and they're ready to kill him kill her. They're ready. You know, it's just this mob scene. And, and for the first time right here, she experiences God's grace. You know how she experiences it? See, because grace was never meant to just be spoken. It was meant to be heard. It was meant to be seen. And I can imagine she's sitting there and in her mind, she's probably going, God, I never thought this day would really go like this. Uh, you know, it was a good date, but it wasn't that good. Uh, how am I standing here in front of all these men thinking very clearly that she deserves death and that death is coming? And, and I can only imagine she, she hears some of the words, doesn't hear all the words that are being spoken because her mind is going 100 miles an hour, I would imagine. Mine would be. And all of a sudden she hears this. And she, she opens her eyes. She hears grace. See, see, grace is, is the rocks that, that are to condemn me, that are to send me to hell, that are, that are the rocks that are in the hands that are going to kill me are being dropped. And they're walking away. And I can only imagine as there's, there's all these people around that, that sound again and again and again just, just falling to the ground. And this woman sitting, I'm, I'm certain their tears are starting to flow. Because for the first time, she's realizing, maybe I don't die. When was the first time you realized that maybe I don't die? Do, do, do you remember? See, this is God's grace. When, when you experience that first time, when you know in your heart you deserve death, when you know that you're, you know who you are, and you hear the rocks drop, and you just kind of go, oh, God. Grace needs to be tasted. It needs to be heard. And this woman, hears the rocks fall to the ground. And she must just be thinking, this is unbelievable. Number two, Jesus' light always brings peace. The light of Jesus always brings peace. If there's chaos in, in your life and, and you're, you're frustrated, you're not walking in the light of Jesus. 
Let me clarify that. You can have chaos in your life and be in the peace of Jesus. If you're in the chaos and you don't have peace, then you're not walking with Jesus in the light. Light always brings peace. Verse 9 says this, And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. It's always incredibly uncomfortable to be naked in front of others. Would you agree? Look, I've been married 24 years. I still like to turn off the lights. Ten years ago, after I retired playing hot, come on, come on, don't go there, don't go there. Ten years ago, ten years ago, after I had quit playing hockey and I, I didn't care about working out anymore when we started the first church, I don't know how many remember this, but I got up to 230 pounds. Now, I'm five foot nothing. I was round, okay? I was just, I was fairly, literally, I watched a video about a year or so ago, it was online of me preaching, and I was just this fat guy sweating, and, and it was, oh, gosh. But I, I was 230 pounds at five foot nothing. And I play hockey on Sunday nights, and I, I went to a game one night with my buddies, that, and many of them played in the NHL, and, and one guy in particular, Craig Johnson, who I played against and with and whatever, but we're getting undressed. Locker rooms are very vulnerable, okay, <laughs> especially in men's league. <laughs> I, I am completely undressed and getting ready to go shower, at which with all, all in the midst, I'm in the midst, all these, these guys, my buddies are there, and Craig turns around and looks at me and goes, that is gross. <laughs> I'm like, do I have a booger or something? What's he talking about? I'm like, what? He's like, that is gross. You called yourself a professional athlete. At the moment, everybody just starts laughing. Oh, yeah, you're a fat, blah, 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 blah. I'm like vulnerable, <laughs> naked. <laughs> At that point, I went on a diet. <laughs> I was driving home, I'm thinking, gosh, Chris Clo turns the light off every night. That, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly uncomfortable to be, to be naked, nude, partially nude in front of anybody. Now, think about this. Here's this woman pulled out of a place where she had been having adultery, having sex with this man, thrown in the midst of all these men with rocks. She has nowhere to go. She has no out. All of a sudden, Jesus steps in. He says, okay, you don't have to throw the rock if you got no sin. The rocks start dropping. Everybody walks away. And it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's Jesus and this woman. Why didn't she leave? There's no one standing there with a rock anymore. Like, I'm thinking, if, if, something has to happen. There's no way I stay with this guy called Jesus. I'm just out of here unless something happens. I, there, it makes no sense. All their accusers left. She should have ran right back up to her room and got dressed or buried herself under that pillow and cried herself to sleep. Something. But she's standing there before Jesus, naked with everything, just there. And she doesn't run. I, I, it doesn't make sense unless, unless, unless there's something about Jesus' eyes. Unless there's something about, about this, this man that, that, is so much security 
There's so much peace and grace. Remember, grace is, is heard, drops rocking, and it's seen. And there's so much grace in the eyes of Jesus that this woman is no longer fixated on what she's wearing or not wearing. She's no longer fixated on men around her with rocks ready to kill her. She's so engaged with the creator of heaven and earth. She's so engaged with the one who loves her so much that she's just standing naked before him. See, grace is this place where I can come before God, where I can come before Jesus and just go, this is who I am. As ugly as it might be, and I don't mean physically ugly. I'm talking about our sin. As bad as it might be, the sin, it's, it's standing before God in this place and going, this is who I am. Love me or don't. And there's so much love that comes from this man named Jesus that she just stands there. She doesn't run. This, this is grace that, that we, we have to experience. This is the grace that I want you to experience. Where, where you can stand before God with all your stuff. All your sin, all your hypocrisy, all your lies, all your perversion, all your whatever it is. And you can see Jesus and go, I, I don't want to run anymore. I don't want to run anymore. I, I, that is... The, 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 that is just a powerful, powerful picture. See, Jesus' light always brings peace, and grace is in the eyes of Jesus. And when you look deep into the heart of Jesus, it changes you. It changes you. See, and here's the point where it, it turns. It's right here. Jesus' light, it never condemns. It never condemns. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? He's down and, and, and you know, I, I love the picture of Jesus' humility. It wasn't until this point that he even stands up. Here's this woman, and his head is probably hung, and he's, he's writing names, and he's speaking to her, and in all humility, he's, he's not staring at her like most men would, but he, he's just, and, and he stands up finally and looks her in the eyes and says, woman, where, where are they? And she, he says, no one has condemned you. And she says, no, no one. Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Oh, God, that's so good. See, if the church could just get a hold of this, if, 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 if you could just grab a hold of, of this Jesus, your life would be changed forever. The thing is, I need to look into the eyes of Jesus every day and see his heart and his compassion and his love for me, even with all my stuff. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. See, Jesus' light always deals with sin through grace. It always deals with sin through grace. Religion condemnation and guilt and heavy and blah. Jesus, it's my grace. He says to this woman, he says, now go. And from now on, sin no more. I, I wish and I would love to hear the story after that. I can only imagine what her story might have been after that. 
And some look at that and go, wait, 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 wait a second here. This is a woman caught in adultery. She's this, 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 and this. And it's that easy? She just go and sin no more. Jesus says, go and sin no more. It's not that easy. You know why? Because in Luke 23, 32, it says this. When the soldiers came to the place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross. See, it wasn't that easy. Go and sin no more is not that easy because Jesus died and paid the price for me, for her, for you. So when you go, oh, it's that easy. No, 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 no. When I look into the eyes of Jesus, there's this humility comes in this place, in this position, in this posture that says, oh God, I've, I've, I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And, and Jesus says, go and sin no more. And I walk away free. It's expensive, but not to me. It cost Jesus his life, not me. How can it not change me then? How can I just walk out of this place and be the same? And many times I am. How do I leave here and not realize what Christ has done for me and not be a changed man or woman? It wasn't easy. Christ spread his arms. And he died for me. It's incredibly uncomfortable. But when I look him in the eyes, his peace just starts to flow. And I can do this thing called life. I can do this thing called crazy marriage. I can do this thing called crazy family. I can do this thing called addiction. I can do this thing called alcoholism. I can do that. I can do life because of Jesus. Grace is meant to be seen. It's meant to be heard. It's meant to be experienced. And as I experience His grace on a daily basis, I'm a different person. That's what God calls us to. That's who Jesus is. That's who he is. And that's who I've fallen in love with. Not always perfect. Many times walk out of here and I'm a complete fill in the blank. But I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.